So you're on your journey to become an intuitive eater. You feel like you're, you know, in process, things are going well. But when you really get down to it, in the background, there's still some diet mentality running. That's totally normal. It takes practice and patience. And what you may be experiencing is, is actually something that the authors of the Intuitive Eating Workbook label stealth deprivation. So you're focused on moving forward, but there's still kind of this diet mentality running in the background. So I'm going to go through that in today's episode And then we're going to move into the emotional reasons for overeating and help you become even more practiced at being an intuitive eater. All right, guys, welcome to part two in the intuitive eating series around cope with your feelings without using food. So this is podcast episode 45 in the intuitive eating series. And I'm so happy that you're joining me today. Um, Yeah, I'm having one of those days I could emotionally eat. I just recorded this segment without my microphone hooked up. And then when I went back to play it, I was like, oh, dear. So, yeah, and it's been a little bit since I've put out an episode dealing with some sickness in my house. I've been coughing a lot, so I may have to pause at a few points. I paused during the previous segment. Um, and just take a little bit of a coughing break. So I hope you're healthy wherever you are. It's back to school. It's fall, right? So it's kind of normal for illness to pop up around uh, households these days, but I hope that you're healthy. And yeah, that's, that's about it over here, just dealing with a sick kid that was sick last week, and then really just kind of getting back on track with things and feeling so grateful that I can work from home and I can support them um, and still get my work done and still show up for my clients. So I found, yeah, I had a lot of gratitude for the position that I'm in last week during that activity or episode. Um, So in the previous episode, in part one, we talked about, we're in principle number seven, And I'm taking the information from the workbook, Evelyn Tribal and Elise Rush, the Intuitive Eating Workbook. And in part one of this series, we talked about self-care and its role in emotional eating, or more correctly, lack of self-care and how it can lead to emotional eating. So we looked at a lot of self-care things and the focus, you know, if we're not taking care of ourselves, it's really going to be hard to deal with emotional eating. If we're tired, emotional eating is going to creep in. If we have more stress, it's normal to have cravings and emotional eating can can have more of a role there. If we don't have that work-life balance that we want, that can happen too. So if you haven't listened to part one, I would invite you to go back and listen to it and then come back and listen to this part of the episode. But on page 158 in the workbook, what they go through is a great exercise in kind of evaluating your deprivation quotient is what they call it, self-deprivation. So I talked about that in the intro. So even though we've committed to be intuitive eaters, that diet mentality is deep-seated. It's been with us for a long time. So it can still be running in the background, right? And sometimes it's a good idea to to drop into the self-awareness to see if some of that is still creeping in and it's normal. The intuitive eating journey is a practice 
and patience, right? So it takes time. It's not a linear journey. And sometimes taking a step back and asking ourselves some questions can be helpful. So the questions focus on, have you made peace, like complete peace around food? Okay, so think about your answer to these questions and you can answer them yes or no. Do you really believe that all foods are emotionally equivalent? Are you able to think about foods without labeling them as good or bad? Are you able to eat foods that you really, truly enjoy at any time without putting special conditions on them? For example, you don't consider them a treat that should be enjoyed only when you're on vacation or at a wedding. The second part is, do you have food security? Do you buy food often enough so you have a variety of choices and a plentiful amount of food at home? Do you have free access to food rather than it being controlled by someone else like a family member? And then the third part is any other factors affecting you. So at social gatherings, have you stopped eating according to the expectations of others rather than eating what you really want? And have you stopped eating with judgmental people in your life who inhibit your food choices? So if you answered no to any of those questions, that doesn't make you wrong. It just means that you might, to re, might need to revisit some of the earlier principles in becoming an intuitive eater and some of my earlier podcast episodes. So the episode I did on making peace with food was episode 25. So you may want to take a look back if you answered no to any of those questions in that first section. And then if you're dealing with kind of the food police, which can be ourselves or it can be other people, that was covered in episode 27 and 28. So the biggest thing is not to make yourself wrong. And I had a great client example of this yesterday. They had um, family over on the weekend. I think it was, you know, uh, and maybe a new meeting of different families coming together so they felt a lot of pressure around that. They wanted everything to, you know, be perfect. Um, but what they noticed was they didn't allow themselves to eat the food. They didn't allow themselves to eat chips based on what they thought others' expectations would be or their judgment might be at the at the event. But that led to them waking up at 5 a.m. and eating chips. So we talked about that. We talked about not having made peace with food and, you know, still having some of these food police ideas that come into play. So that's just a great example. That's someone that's been on an intuitive eating journey with me for the past um, few months or, well, past six months. But I've been working with them with, with them as a client on and off for years. The other thing to note is that their homework after our session yesterday was simply to do one thing every day to show their body that they loved it and to take care of it. So one form of self-care and it could have, it could be anything. It could be a bath. It could be having a healthy snack. It could be deciding to take a nap. It didn't have to be anything big, but it was just to start with that, that daily reminder that I'm important and take some small active self-care to really lock that in. All right, so that's self-deprivation. So if that's still sneaking in, you may need to go back a bit. Becoming an intuitive eater isn't necessarily, you know, a linear process. So t 
totally acceptable to pause and go back. And that leads me into share, like for my expansion group program, which combines my experience leading emotional eating groups since 2009 with this intuitive eating approach. That's why in the back end of my group container, there's lots of videos and trainings and recordings to help people because the process isn't linear. So I'm recognizing that everyone's not going to come in at the exact same place. And, you know, where someone maybe has made peace with the food, somebody else might not get there right away. So for them to have something to go back and reference, not have to sit through an hour of a live coaching call and, you know, try to figure out where that information is, I'm going to pull that out. If there's already not a training and something comes up in a group call, then I'm going to put a training in the background around that, something that, that I haven't covered. And that's so they can go in, they can take a look, they can vox through me and say, hey, this is what happened. And then I can say, okay, based on what I know about you and what we've been discussing, this is going to be the best training for you. So go there, grab that training, grab that document and do this and let me know how it goes. So, and because they have constant access to me and to their peers in their peer pod, it just helps them keep that momentum of that behavior change going, right? Because they've always got support. They can go into their peer pod group and ask for help or post a question or share how they're feeling. And there's going to be nine other BFFs in that group supporting you. And then there's going to be me coming in every day to support you too. So that's just a little offside about how, yeah, this this section in principle seven relates to exactly that we aren't going to do everything in a linear process. And that's the approach that works best when we're becoming intuitive eaters. So then the question asks, you know, is emotional eating wrong as an intuitive eater? Emotional eating is not wrong. When I work with clients, on emotional eating or run the Craving Change Emotional Eating Group program I've been doing since 2009, it's not because emotional eating is wrong. It's when it feels problematic to the individual. Okay, and problematic can feel different for different people. It can feel like they're eating too much of something. It can feel like they're eating um, too much of something or they feel uncomfortable when they eat or they're eating when they're not hungry. Like there's lots of different things that can feel problematic and that's individualized too. So as an intuitive eater, again, it's building on the awareness. So I want you to think about how emotional eating has served you. Okay, and this is what I talked with about my client this week too. Good for you to recognize and, and bring it to me that you got up and you ate in the middle of the night. So that is serving you in some way. That's giving you calmness or that's numbing feelings like in some way emotional eating serves us don't make it wrong so you could even go and do a pros and cons list right so what are the pros of emotional eating well pro might be that it numbs my feelings a pro might be um that it distracts me from whatever is happening sometimes we all need a good distraction or it could be that it, it helps you avoid your feelings and that makes you at that point in time maybe feel a bit safer. The opposite is to look at the cons list. So how is emotional eating not serving you? What are the cons of emotional eating? Okay, well, I eat past the point of feeling good. 
So I feel sick after I eat. I feel overfull. And I feel guiltier after I eat too. So that may be once your pros and cons list comes out, you know, if the cons are more than the pro, then it can be something that can help us move into dealing with the emotional eating, right? So emotional eating is a response to different emotions, right? So if you think about what emotional triggers are, I'm going to leave you with a list of identified emotional triggers that they share in the workbook on page 161, just to get you thinking about some of those times when you may be emotional eating. So there are many emotional eatings for tr- or triggers for eating, and it's likely that almost everyone eats emotionally from time to time, right? So again, we're not making ourselves wrong, but we're just starting to have awareness. So that's what I want you to get from this episode. I want you to, uh, to check in. Are you still stuck in diet mentality or food police? And if you are emotionally eating, how is it serving you or how is it not serving you? And then I want you to think about this list. So anxiety. If you experience anxiety, you may use food to calm yourself. Boredom. Eating as something to do. Bribery. So finish your homework and you can have a treat. And you know, that's a learned behavior. And I talk a lot about that in the Craving Change content that I use. Um... We learn behaviors over time, right? So finish your homework, get a, get a treat, um, eat your vegetables, get dessert. And these are behaviors that are paired repeatedly over time. And that means as adults coming in to heal our relationship with food and become more intuitive eaters and intuitive livers, it's really going to be important for us to recognize that is a learned behavior. And it's going to take repeatedly not pairing those behaviors for me to break that behavior. And it's in no way making you wrong. Only breastfed babies eat according to hunger. And then after, you know, they're not breastfed, all these societal and familiar kind of eating cues and social ideas around eating come in and they change that relationship. Okay, so kudos to you for being here, wanting to heal your relationship with food. And that's why I love the work I do. And that's why I love working with moms, moms in business especially. But I love working with moms because we can see the impact on our kids. You know, I'm a single mom with three kids and I can see how I talk about food, my relationship with food has a direct impact on their relationship with food. And that's something I want to be positive for them going forward, right? So we talk a lot at at Mom's House about, you know, giving it a few minutes, recognizing if you're full. We talk about gentle nutrition and picking foods that maybe help us feel full longer. But we also talk about enjoying food. Okay, so there's my little tangent off track from the emotional triggers, but wanted to include that for you guys. So celebration, yeah, food accompanies most events, right? So it's normal to think about food when we're celebrating. Emptiness, so we might be eating from a lack of spiritual meaning. We might be trying to fill a void with food that's not not got anything to do with food. That's not wrong. Um, Excitement, we might use food as something fun. Feeling lonely or unloved, using food as a friend can be a common one. 
frustration, anger, rage. We can eat as a release in those situations. We're trying to shift that emotion, right, with eating. Um, loosening the reins. Eating as an outlet from a self-imposed militaristic or perfectionist life. So if you've always been taught to kind of be on track or if you've been counting calories and managing your weight for years in really a like a strict regime, at some point you might just loosen those reins and just eat out of defiance, right? Defiance of yourself or defiance of society, whatever it is. But that changes your relationship with food, right? Mild depression. So carbohydrates can increase serotonin, which is our happy chemical in the brain, right? And the feel better transmitters. So yeah, if we're tired, if we're depressed, if we're struggling, sometimes carbohydrate cravings are coming and those are perfectly normal. Um, Self-soothing when upset. So eating as a comforting or consoling activity, you know, maybe having ice cream as a way to comfort yourself. Um, Procrastination. I'll do that task after I eat something. So that's why, you know, when we talk about gentle nutrition or when I work with a lot of the business owners that I work with, it's trying to remind them to actually schedule. Sometimes it's more mechanical eating as we get started because they don't remember to eat. So we're not procrastinating in that sense, but we're we're trying to remember to eat. Reward, I just closed a deal. Now I deserve a big piece of chocolate cake. Um, stress, food for relief. So you can see there's lots of different triggers. And it can even be rebellion, right? I've had lots of people kind of go into food rebellion when they move away from their parents home especially if they had their food controlled then they kind of get out on their own and they're just going to eat whatever they want and maybe the same thing all week that's fine but if it's emotional eating and it's feeling problematic then there's things that we can adjust to to bring that back into a space where it feels better so I just want you to go through that list again of all of those emotional triggers maybe you identify with one or maybe you don't And I'm going to leave you with an activity to do. Um, If you have the um, health or the the intuitive eating workbook, you can look on page 163. If you don't have the workbook, send me a DM after you listen to this episode and I'll share with you this tool. So they have something, they they have a range of feelings chart on page 163. I want to finish with an activity from Craving Change today, and it's an emotions inventory. What it is, is a, a list of 100 different emotions. And when you feel problematic eating is happening, so you need to identify when it's happening. We're not going to do this exercise every time you eat all day. So for you, if it's, you know, after work or after the kids go to bed, That would be the time to pull out the paper before you eat the food that you want to eat. Just put a quick check mark in front of the emotion that you're feeling, right? So it might be frustrated. Okay, I'm going to check that off. Five minutes later, come back and check again behind the word that you're feeling. So it might be comfort, happy, energy. And then wait another 15 minutes, come back and check in again and put another check mark behind whatever you're feeling. Often at that point, it might be tired again or frustrated again because you ate when you weren't really hungry. 
or it can be guilt because you don't think you deserve to eat, even though as an intuitive eater, you can emotionally eat. But again, it's building awareness around what some of the emotional triggers might be for your emotional eating. So if you don't have that worksheet, if you don't have access to the workbook, shoot me a message and I'm happy to share it with you. But that's where I'm going to leave it today. I want you to think about how emotional eating is serving you. Thank it for serving you because it's been doing a, a good job maybe over years, right? But if you're ready to work through what that cause is and what that trigger is, this exercise is a good way to start to have awareness. At the end of the day, never make yourself wrong, right? But that is part two in this series. So I'll be back with part three and most likely part four because it's really a big principle and emotional eating is for a lot of people something that they've struggled with for years. So that's kind of why I love the Craving Change program and bringing it into the intuitive eating because then we just have so many tools and we can really tailor it in my group program expansion to meet you where you're at and help you right now with what you need help with. Not telling you to come back next week when we're going to talk on that topic, right? All right, guys, I hope that you have a fantastic day. We're in a rainfall warning and the rain has started. So knock on wood, my basement doesn't flood. My eaves troughs are waiting on repairs for about six weeks now. But when you deal with condo boards, I guess that's what happens. So all right, guys, I will talk to you soon and have a fantastic week. That's it for today's episode of Healthy Mompreneurs Get Wealthy podcast with Kathy Richards, RD. If you found this helpful and you have a friend who may also find it useful, feel free to share it with them. And don't forget, every month I'm going to draw one lucky reviewer who leaves a review on my podcast, who screen shares it with me on Instagram in my stories, they're in their stories. Um, one lucky reviewer will receive one free um, 60 minute intensive with me where we'll get down to the nitty gritty and figure out that one thing that's keeping you stuck from achieving your health and wellness goals. All right. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for my latest episode.